So welcome to the To Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with me, Father Rob Kroll, and Mr. Jim Fellows. Jim, how are you today? Good, Father. How are you? I'm doing well. We're it's, uh, nice, it's nice to be back in the saddle again. I know. We had a little hiatus there and uh, appreciated your uh, your flexibility, and it's good to be back with you. Um, I appreciate uh, Father Brian for uh, yeah. filling in so well. Yes, indeed. Yes, He's indeed. He's a good guy. He is. He is. Yep. You, you've got some good friends, you know, yes. good quality friends. I would agree so that's with that. Yeah, no, things are good. We're, um, we're actually welcoming today uh, a whole new group of seminarians. They're beginning a week-long orientation at uh, St. Francis de Sales Seminary. And we're jumping this year from 50 to 65 seminarians. So that's a significant uh, uptick. And we're, we're happy about that. And these guys are coming from all over the state of Wisconsin. And um, so that's an exciting thing. So we're, we're kind of put our best face forward and make their welcome a warm one. And um, so that's all good. How, how are things on your end? It's, it's uh, fine. We, you just uh, got back from Alaska. I did. Uh, Jen and I uh, took off and we went to Alaska on a cruise and uh, um, we, we uh, saw some lovely landscapes and um, enjoyed ourselves. So that was nice. That's uh, why there's been a little delay in podcasts. We're, we're a little off schedule, but we'll get mm-hmm. back to schedule here pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I need to congratulate you. I just got a notification oh. on LinkedIn that you're celebrating your eighth year at Creighton Prep. <laughs> um, I wanted something to tells me you I need just you might want to go visit you. Right. Yeah, that that's an uh, indication of how often I actually <laughs> look at LinkedIn, right? I'm shocked that you weren't on LinkedIn constantly trying to make new business kind of. <laughs> that's so important to me, right? <laughs> Oh yes, yes. Well, it just popped him in my feed. Actually, I, all right. I'm gonna. This is I, this is not again. This is um not really in, in in line with humility, but I'm gonna say it that I can actually by locate now. So I'm I'm at Creighton Prep and I'm at the seminary in Milwaukee, Omaha and Milwaukee. I can be in both. If that places. was true, these podcasts would be so much more interesting. <laughs> and we'd probably have a few more listeners too. We would. But, if you were pulling a Padre Pio on us, right. that would be, uh, that would I be know. fascinating. I know, I know. All right. Well. Guess what you get to do today? What do I <laughs> Tell us what we're going to talk about? No, well, you got to go. Oh, I got to go. Economy. Yeah, change my LinkedIn profile, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, well. I'll probably get How lots you of been at, You've been at uh, the seminary in, in Milwaukee. How long? Well, actually, yeah, it shouldn't say, because I was only at... Creighton Prep three years. Oh, sorry, I was at Creighton Prep six years, and I've been here three years, so that's nine years. So I don't know why it's saying eight. It might have said nine years. It might have said. Know. Yeah, you're, you math, made a, math you skills. You made a of your starting date. Who that, knows? Maybe that's it. Yeah, you're right. not at Creighton Prep anymore, so. I am not. I am you not. You want to knock that no. off. Yes, thank All you right. for highlighting that. <laughs> <laughs> and saving it for the podcast. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. I, mean, I was happy to save it for the podcast. <laughs> All right, well. Today, we're going to talk about, we think, an important topic, uh, and one that is on the minds and hearts, I think, of a lot of Catholics out there, uh, which is how can we help people that we love, like our children or grandchildren, siblings, uh, how can we help them 
uh, to return to the faith and to the church um, if they have left, if, if they've drifted away. And, uh, and you and I are aware that um, there is a man named Brandon Vogt, V-O-G-T, who wrote a book recently called Return, How to Draw Your Child Back to the Church. And he collaborates with uh, Bishop Robert Barron on the Word on Fire um, website and podcast. So they've done uh, some podcasts about this topic and kind of looking at the book. And we not thought, an obscure podcast either, by the way. Say that again. It's not an obscure podcast. There's a lot no. We're gaining. We're gaining ground. There's probably people but, listening to this and being like, you know, I've already listened to these podcasts. I, I know. I know. That's probably true. Yeah. Why you just been there, done that? Bishop Barron's topics. Why don't right. you come your own? Sometime? I know. I know. I know. Well, and I even I looked at like the top ten podcast Catholic podcasts, and you know. Surprisingly, we were not among the top ten. But really, no, not yet. We're that's I think our we're goal. eleven. <laughs> maybe maybe eleven thousand. I don't. Are there even eleven thousand? I don't know. But gosh, I hope um, I hope there are. I hope there are eleven thousand Catholic podcasts. <laughs> that would be that would I be hope a great. We're sign. not last, but maybe right. we are. Who knows? But that's not why we're doing this. So no. Um, yeah. So we just thought, you know, I mean, as a priest uh, who you know obviously helps out at parishes and as. You know, you yourself know as an active uh, lay member of the church, uh, we all know probably plenty of people in our own families, among our friends, uh, parishioners who, yeah, who have left the church, um, you know, were raised Catholic, maybe went to Catholic schools for years, and yet uh, eventually just stop going to church and maybe don't even identify anymore as Roman Catholic. And so we just thought it'd be good to explore this topic today and look at some of the data. There is actually lots of data out there. There are regular surveys that are given. And so we actually know a lot about why people have kind of um, hemorrhaged from the church. And I think that's that's a word that uh, is appropriate because um, it's a pretty large, it's pretty significant percentage of uh, younger people, millennials, Gen Z people right. who are not uh, going to church anymore. We're not going at least to the Catholic church. And so we want to talk a little bit about why that is. And then also about um, where they might go if they do leave the church, where do they end up? And, and then also some, some of the uh, common misperceptions about this phenomena, you know, like um, many, many parents and grandparents think it's all their fault. And, you know, they put the blame on themselves, and you know, we want to talk about some of those, uh, some of those common uh, mis misperceptions. I mean, not that there isn't any influence that we have, but it's not completely on parents and, and grandparents. Uh, they don't control the lives of their of their youth. And then we also want to talk today about just some practical things that we can do to try to um, attract our loved ones back. To the faith and get them right. going to church again. So yeah, so that's kind I of. I was our... just having coffee yesterday with a college friend, uh -huh. um, and we haven't spoken in a, in a few years. But we were we were tight in college, and, and I absolutely love this woman. Um, and she's she was uh, after her divorce, um, she fell away from the church, and she's mm -hmm. not. Uh, and I don't, you know, we weren't getting into that yesterday, but yeah. uh, we were just catching up on stuff, but. And that didn't have any impact on the fact that I 
absolutely love this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She's a, she's a wonderful person. Obviously, I'd like to have her back in the church. But, sure, you know she's uh, she's on her own journey, and and uh, I'm always going to be her friend. So, yep. um, this is uh, this feels pretty uh, topical. It does. It does. And you know what you just said, I think is important too, because I think sometimes when people leave the church, you know, we feel maybe that we have to, uh, you know, like not that we stop loving them, but that we somehow uh, don't know how, you know, to really approach the topic with them in a way that's not going to alienate them further, and and maybe uh, it does cause sort of a rift sometimes in our relationship with people. And, uh, and I think it's really important, as you said, to realize that even if a person has left the faith, um, you know, our, our job is to keep loving them and to keep uh, praying for them and, you know, being a positive, uh, you know, influence in their life. And who knows? Well, the, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a positive influence on, on her life, but, you know, we do what we do. That's right. That's right. And the fact that you still have this connection with her is good. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those friendships that you can go like years without talking to them and then right. you get back together and you get yep. back in the saddle again. That's cool. Yep. That's cool. Nice. You know, we um, talked so, today a lot right, about, well, just that, you know, we talk a lot I and mean, there's a lot of like data around this reality that, you know, we talk about the rise of the nuns, not the N U N S. Uh, if only we had more religious, uh, sisters, but, the N-O-N-E-S, those that will select none when they're asked on a survey, you know, what religion they practice or what uh, faith community they belong to. But, you know, there, so there are, there are um, you know, quite a few. So when we talk about millennials, we're talking about people mostly in their 20s and 30s. And then, you know, Gen Z are kind of the, the you know, adolescents and, and, you know, people that are coming up behind them. And um, so some of the data that is out there says that, you know, only 50% of millennials uh, who were raised Catholic uh, still identify as Roman Catholic. So that means 50% no longer identifies Catholic. So, you know, when you think about that's half, um, you know, that's... So they that's, went through, they got confirmed. They're talking about the people, they're talking about the teens that went through confirmation, they got through sacrament. Yeah, they got baptized, confirmed, right, right. No. Yep, and, and in many cases might have gone to Catholic school as well. Sure. Um, and, you know, it was kind of kind of interesting because like Brandon Vaught was saying, you know, if you were to apply that statistic to the secular world, uh, you know, if, if a business or corporation had 50% of its customers leave, um, the business would be pretty concerned and they would kind of make that a priority issue. You know, why right. is it that half of our customers are not uh, coming back to us? And so, so it is kind of an alarming statistic. Um, uh, I, you know, not, I think sorry. it's a conservative consistent, to be honest with you, Father. A what? What one? I think it's conservative. Yeah, probably. I think, 50, I think 50% is very generous. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think these. a lot more leaving than that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, these are coming out of, you know, surveys done by certain organizations, so I don't know. But anyway, but there was a Pew study also in 2014, which is already seven years ago. Uh, this survey is done every seven years, so there's another one coming out probably this year, It's and it's probably going to be worse. But but this 2000, in 2014, what they say is that for every person who converts to Roman Catholicism, and so every person who, not this is not a a cradle Catholic, but a person who later on becomes Catholic and enters the church, for every one of those persons, 
you have 6.45 people who leave the church. So obviously we're losing uh, a lot more Catholics than we're gaining. Um, so those are just a couple of kind of for context purposes, just, just to realize that, yeah, it's, it's a major issue right now. And, um, from your experience, you know, Jim, what would you say, like, or the, from just conversations you have or people that you know, um, why do you think that many people are leaving the church? What are the major factors in your in your estimation? Oh, I got a whole bunch of theories on that, Father. But maybe we, you want to cover the myths first, and then um, I may go off on a rant. So I don't want to start my rant. <laughs> well, actually, and maybe what we can, we can talk about is um, that – or one of the things that kind of the data indicates too is that when people do become former Catholics, um, about 50% of them go to some form of, of Protestant group, um, often evangelical or non-denominational. Um, th this is true of one of my own uh, siblings. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think that's very common that a lot of Catholics leave the church because they're drawn in by some more evangelical group that, you know, at least appears to them to be maybe warmer and more vibrant. Uh, maybe they appreciate kind of the, uh, the music and the worship style, the preaching and so forth. So, so about 50% of former Catholics would now identify as evangelical or non-denominational. Um, then there's about, 25% that basically don't go anywhere. They're unaffiliated. Those are the nuns. So they might talk about themselves as being spiritual, but not religious, or they may just end up being agnostic or even atheist. So they wouldn't identify with any particular right. faith. And then the last 25% are kind of a, a mix of people that might go to a non-Christian faith. So you can imagine like a, a person who was raised Catholic, but was never really that um, enthused about their faith, and then they marry a, a Jewish spouse or a Hindu or a Muslim spouse, and so they just maybe for the sake of their marriage and for their kids, they you know they want to both be on the same page, so that that former Catholic might now belong to a new non-Christian faith. Well, um, and that I mean that that accounts for um, the the fifty percent too. A lot of the fifty percent who are joining other churches. Mm -hmm. Are doing that because of their spouse. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Right, the, the spouse might be a, a Protestant, and so they're just like, "Well, this is easier." And right, just join their church. Right, that's a good point. Right, <sighs> so it might be because of their own personal uh, experience, but I, I agree with you. My own experience, like kind of anecdotal, is also that often it's you know it's just that they didn't find their Catholic faith that meaningful, and then they met somebody of a different right. Christian faith and kind of went along with them. Um, so I would, on my own, uh, as, as I was looking at these statistics, my own interpretation of the statistics, and they could be completely wrong, um, the 50%, that the two are, are not looking at the same group. I think that the, the 6.45 for every one mm -hmm. um, is leaving the church may include children, but I think that the stats of joining other churches or just becoming non-religious or joining a non-Christian church. I think those all pertain to um, adults. 
I think I think those are the adults that leave our church. That's my well, yeah. And I think this Pew study with the one one in six point five. I mean, if they're if the Pew study is being given to people, I don't think they're giving it to children. I think they're giving it to adults. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, so. I think that the I think the 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 more horrifying stat is that these kids, fifty uh, percent of the kids, which again I think is a generous number. Um, I think it, I think it's more. Um, uh-huh. but uh, that they're leaving and they're not going anywhere. I think most of them are not yeah. going anywhere. Probably, um, maybe 10% are, are finding other youth groups or, or finding fun in other churches and going there. Yeah. But that's just my personal opinion. I could be, uh, I, and I own it. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but that's just from what I've yeah. seen. Yeah. 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 Well, whatever the exact statistic is it's it's troubling that's the main thing there's a lot a lot of people and you know one of the things that um you know in this book that brandon vott wrote one of the things he points out is is that uh you know people although it is kind of a flood rather than a trickle generally speaking people that now are former catholics are not leaving suddenly it's not like there's one dramatic incident that just uh drives them away from the church, but it's, you know, he, he claims that it's, it's some version of, I slowly drifted away over time, you know, like maybe they, as a kid, they might've gone to mass every Sunday with their family and then they go off to college and then they go occasionally, you know, maybe at least when they come home and they go to at Christmas and Easter or something like that. And then eventually they just kind of stop going. And, and of course, um, as important as parents and family are, um, you know, one is very influenced as a young person by your your friend set and and the culture, and so um, you know it's something that usually is just like gradual over time. He seems to point out, and and so he also says that therefore drawing them back to the church might take time. It might be a long process. So we have to kind of be patient uh, as we try to um, talk to our loved ones about why they left and what it is that might bring them back. Um, and, you know, for other people though, he does say that the kind of the, the second main reason why people are leaving is because there's, there's some particular church teaching that people no longer find convincing. They just don't right. believe anymore. It could be real, you know, belief in God. And maybe especially if they encounter some major form of suffering in their life, you know, as I say that, I think about, um, a, uh, I did my junior year of college in Freiburg, Switzerland, and I lived with a family the whole year and really a good family. They were very good to me. Um, and the, actually, the, the, it was a Catholic family. We'd go to mass every Sunday. And uh, the father's brother was a Catholic priest, in fact. And uh, anyway, this father of the family that I lived with, um, he's now in his late 80s, I believe. And just a few years ago, he's an author. He um, and and just a few years ago, he actually wrote a book in which he basically declared that he was now an atheist. And mm. and and for him, the main issue was around suffering. You know that how could God allow like a young child to suffer of cancer and so forth? So that's often a one of the more difficult problems you know that we face. And. And so it could be certain beliefs like that, or it could be also certain moral issues, especially uh, today, sexual morality, you know, marriage right. and family issues. Um, and then maybe sometimes too issues of faith and science, even though the Catholic church has a, has a wonderful 
uh, approach to science and, and God's created world, a lot of, there's still a lot of people that believe that sort of uh, Christianity, um, you know, believes in like a literal interpretation of the Bible and is basically anti-science. So, so, you know, part of our job is to help people also realize that what they're rejecting may, it may very well be a truth that is a hard truth and we have to try to help them understand where the church is coming from. But in some cases, people might be rejecting um, what is not actually what the church teaches too. And, well, yeah. You know, so the, I mean, what was, uh, do you want to share some of the myths or do we just want to dive into it? Um, sure. We could, we could talk about some of the myths um, uh, that, yeah. And, and by myths here, we're talking about like some of the things that um, maybe we have typically believed about, the people that are leaving the church that may not necessarily be true. So for example, um, and I, and I, I've heard this much in my, when I was younger and and even in more recent times, I heard this myth very a lot, which is that, you know, when young people leave the church, it's not really that big a deal because the pattern is that, um, you know, they go off to college and then they kind of leave the church or they stop practicing their faith. But once they're married and especially when they have kids, you know, they're going to get those kids baptized and, and the kids going to, you know, church or Catholic school or whatever is going to bring the parents back, you know, to the right. faith. Like, and, and Brandon Vaught, you know, highlights that, again, based on the hard data, uh, this really is not true. It may have been more true in the past that uh, as a person got married and had kids and they just matured, they might have realized, you know, that, hey, you know, this faith thing actually has some real uh, meaning for me. But but today, he says that's definitely not the case. And, you know, of course, people are waiting longer to get married today. Um, right. I think the average marriage age for men is now 29 and for women 26, which is like six years longer that than... was 48 for men. <laughs> 40. uh, that was just me? That, yeah, I that think was that, that was just you. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm you're, you're not average, average in any kind of, in any meaningful sense of that term. Oh, no, you're, above, you're above average in most cat, oh. most categories. Um, but people are also waiting longer to have children, right? So, And they're having less children. So, right. in fact, I think I just heard recently on the news that, like, we're currently at the lowest birth rate in our history. I mean, it's not a negative birth rate yet, like in Europe, but it's it's getting there. So, yeah. so, in other words, we have to kind of debunk that, that it's like, no, this is really an alarming reality, and we need to be proactive. We can't just sort of assume that most of these former Catholics are actually going to come back, because they're not. <laughs> so that's one of the myths. Um you know, another myth that he points out is like a lot of parents, and I and I've encountered this myself in in my own priestly ministry. A lot of parents are really torn up about the fact that that their kids or grandkids, if their grandparents no longer practice the faith, but they they blame themselves a lot. They carry a lot of guilt around that, and they figure I must have been a really poor witness, or I must have done something wrong. And and again, this is a little it's a little bit complex because obviously. Um, parents and grandparents can have a big influence on their kids. And, and it's maybe the case, like I think in my own family, you know, we went to mass on Sunday, we said a meal, be, uh, a prayer before meals, but that was pretty much the extent of it. So sure, we need to do more than that with our children. But the reality is too, that sometimes, and I know, I know many devout families who do all the right things. I mean, they pray at night, they do their family rosary, they, you know, uh, have the kids talk about the homily after mass, but, but still some of those kids drift away. And, and so we have to realize that, 
given the influence of peers and the culture, um, you know, parents and grandparents only have so much influence, you know. So, so the key is not to just beat yourself up about what you didn't do, but it's to say, okay, what, what can I do proactively now to be part of the, part of the solution, you know. Um, I don't know. So, so um, allow me to retort to those mm -hmm. first two myths. Yeah, yeah. First of all, um, the, the the number one. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say which is most important, but I'm gonna list the issues that I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, first, addressing the first one, um, the Catholic Church. We've talked about this before. The Catholic Church has had um, a huge emphasis on the sacraments, which is good and important, and that's is right. Um, but it's with the, the, and fortunately for us, and as you mentioned earlier, the number of priests is growing, which is great, but we went through a huge, um, just famine without priests in a shortage that, that, um, the priests that were doing the, the catechesis and running the music and blah, 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 blah. Now it's just like, okay. Um, we're just going to cover the sacraments and uh, hopefully we can figure out some people that can pick up the, the slack mm -hmm. in other ways. Other churches like Protestant churches um, have sacraments or they, they consider them sacraments and, but they're really focused on community and getting together and um, feeling loved. What are you doing? Uh, I was just doing something obnoxious. <laughs> That was noisy. Sorry, I didn't think that was so noisy. I lost your interest. No, no, no. Oh. I, I'm very, I'm very much listening. So okay. keep going, keep going. You clipping your toenails on you? <laughs> I was taking something off the wall that had tape on it, so it's right next to my computer. So anyway, so but my point is that congregations have this belief. Mm -hmm. the, and they, the, nobody says this out loud, but ever, it's it's absolutely true. People believe that once you get confirmed, you know everything you need to know about the Catholic faith, and you're done. Mm -hmm. And so there's less. That's why confirmation becomes like a two year program, which personally I think is ridiculous. I think that uh, if if I can get um, certified for for um, auto repair in less time than it takes me to get confirmed. There's a problem with this, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but that's the general sense. It's like, all right, you're confirmed. You know, you're an adult in the Catholic church. You know, everything you need to know, you do whatever you want. You make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. And so that's why there's so many people that leave because there's nothing for them after that point. And then hopefully they come back. But as, as the, the book is talking about, um, and who's the guy who wrote the book? Uh, Brandon Vaught. Brandon Vaught. And he's, he's not wrong in this. It's like that, that may have been the case um, 20, 30 years ago, but it's not the case nowadays. People are leaving and, and the kids are leaving and they're not coming back. Yeah. And then the, the second piece, and these are my two uh, big rants, um, and talking about family and how family only has so much uh, impact and, and blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm going to push back on that theory, not on you, but on that theory a uh -huh. little bit, uh -huh. because I think that, um, you know, you and I have both, uh, 
got our graduate degrees in, in, in counseling and psychology. And we're both familiar with the whole bell, bell curve thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And sure. it's like, and the bell curve is just like 80% of whatever is happening um, it falls within a bell curve of certain statistics. And then there's a, the 10% is on each side of the mm-hmm. rear, but out of the, it's yep. not the norm. Outliers. The outliers. And, and, and in, in psychology, you really want to focus on, um, if it's a disorder, you want to focus on people who are falling within the bell mm. curve, mm-hmm. like within that particular disorder and blah, 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 blah. I think that the people who are very devout, who have very devout families, and I know people like this too, and whose kids choose to leave the church are, on, uh, are outside of the bell curve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that those are rare. And I think that there's, I think there's a ton of families that have a hard time promoting the faith because they were also told, and we're, we're a generation or two into this, they were also told once you are uh, confirmed, mm-hmm. that's all you need to know. That's you're perfectly, yeah. you're 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 fine. You're ready to roll. I um and and it's not true. So we have a bunch of really uneducated Catholics, and it's hard to keep them in the faith. Our faith isn't built. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but we're just not a welcoming church. Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not what. It's not what we're best at. We're not unwelcoming, mm-hmm. but we're not known for that. We're not yeah. really. We're not really well suited for that. We could be, but we're not. Um, and, and so we have these uneducated adults who are raising kids and who are also uneducated. And so the, the parents might feel, um, hesitant to, to delve into this very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's, 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 so if they're not having an influence on the kids then the kids are going to pick up influences from, um, society and from, and I think it's more than just their friends. I think yeah. that there's a lot of societal stuff. I think that sure. there's, I, w- I was a youth minister for 10 years and the first church that I worked at, um, I had kids and I, I had a really effective program and I'm proud of it. I'm proud mm-hmm. of the, the programs I've had at all my churches. Um, but there were kids who were active and coming to church and then telling me the teachers would talk about it. It's like, well, Jesus performed a lot of miracles, but the Bible never talks about the miracles that he didn't perform that failed. I'm like, okay, who told you that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, never, oh, never my teacher that. told me that. It's like, um, yeah, why don't you leave the religious <laughs> stuff, um, over yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> and let's put. Teachers are perfectly, you know, they have no qualms. I'm not saying mm-hmm. every teacher, but there are teachers out there that will throw out things like that and mm-hmm. knock kids, you know, off their, uh, you know, off their foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. if the foundation isn't great, then, you know, that's uh, anyway. Um, and then just to continue with my rant, um, I, I was uh, I was asked, I was hired by a Protestant church. They said, we don't have a youth program, Jim. You've done a wonderful job of the youth programs that you've done before. We'd really like you to come in and set up ours. I'm like, you know I'm Catholic. They're like, we don't care. <laughs> We're, just don't 
talk about marry your purgatory and we should be all fine. I'm like, all right, that's fine. We can, we can, I'll help you structure your youth program and then you can hire mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a Protestant that, that can continue it on and we'll get this all set up. So three months turns into, you know, years, literally. Mm -hmm. it, took, mm -hmm. it took a while to set this program up. But the interesting thing about it is um, it was a smaller church. It was a smaller youth program and paid better, which kind of annoyed me. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, the kids would go through their version of confirmation within the church. And like 90% of them would come back the next week. Mm hmm and continue on with it. And you want to know why? Why? <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> it really sounded like... How was that for a, a setting a setting you up? Their parents were coming back for Bible study every week. Yeah. They're watching this. They're, they're seeing this. And they're like, well, if mom and dad are coming back to church um, on Wednesdays to study, then I'm going to come mm -hmm. back to church and, and participate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's it's... You know, parents are like, well, what can I do? Get educated. Get more educated. And if, if you don't have a program at your church, um, ask. Gently yeah. ask. Um, and, and require that the church teaches you more about the faith. And there's, right. I doubt if there's any churches out there that don't have adult programs. That you right, be right. Part of. No, I think we've, we've done better in recent years in getting – Bible studies going. I'm thinking of That Man Is You, which is a nationwide program. I mean, there's a lot of things that are starting up for Catholic adults. And that is one of the, you know, one of the solutions that uh, Brandon also highlights in his book is, you know, having, having yourself, you know, educating yourself better, you know, getting better catechesis so that when your children or, or friends or whoever uh, raise particular objections to Catholic teaching, you know, you, you have a response that's intelligent and right. can get them to, to think. You know, you're highlighting, you're talking about education and like you, you said earlier, you know, that a lot of people after confirmation, that's all they need to know. And it's true, the catechesis and doctrine and all that is huge. But I think one of the things that's really important and that we maybe as Catholics are not so good at is emphasizing the personal friendship with Jesus Christ, you know, that it isn't just about the devotional prayers. I mean, all that we do, the prayers, the, the sacraments, it's all meant to deepen a relationship with Christ. And, uh, and we know that, but we don't often use that kind of language, you know? And so I think one of the reasons why some former Catholics drift to the evangelical world is because they talk more explicitly about Jesus and about having a, a real personal uh, friendship with him. And, and so I think that's something too, that we're getting better at, but, um, and, and obviously it's always been there, but we need to make it more explicit. And, you know, you talked about too, um, well, I, or we were talking about like worship style. And I think, you know, that's kind of tricky because you, know, you were saying that we aren't always the most welcoming as a church. And I think sometimes when a person walks into a Catholic liturgy, for example, they, you know, they might find it um, because it isn't raucous and, and people are not, you know, using praise and worship music often. I mean, they might feel like it's not, I don't know, they might label it kind of stuffy or whatever. Now, there are a lot of other people that are converts to the church precisely because they found at a, you know, a Latin mass or at some other kind of more um, high church mass, they found mystery and they found something very 
uh, that drew, that drew them in. There was something different because I think one of the things in the evangelical world is that there's also kind of a revolving door. Like people will go for a while and they like the the praise and worship music and the kind of the more upbeat stuff, but then you know they realize, well, I can you know I can kind of get that anywhere. I mean that that's that kind of mirrors the culture a lot too. Whereas sometimes the the Catholic or even more so the Orthodox liturgy. It's so otherworldly and mysterious that it, it can be a real draw. So it's it's you know we got to be careful not to. It's not an easy thing to describe. I mean, there's obviously lots of individual experiences out there, but but um, you know another one of these myths that he highlights in the book is that um, you know people there, there's often among parents and grandparents kind of a sense of despair, like basically no matter what I do, uh, my child is never going to come back. And because I am their parent, especially because I'm their mom or dad or, you know, family member, they're not going to listen to me. I'm kind of the worst placed person and, and there's no way I can really have like a faith discussion with them. And so often it just doesn't happen, you know, and I think about even in my own experience, you know, that, yeah, I think it's, you know, we may feel awkward about asking somebody, well, why is it that you no longer go to mass or why is it that you've stopped identifying as Catholic? I, so I think it is important to kind of feel like, first of all, God's in charge and his grace is always available and right. he, he can work miracles. I mean, you know, kind of the classic thing we all point to is uh, St. Monica praying for her son, St. Augustine, for literally a decade or more. Uh, and he eventually did return to, to the faith, you know. So, like, we have to be patient. We have to be willing to uh, take the long-haul view and realize that, uh, yeah, it may take a long time. It may take numerous conversations. It may take many years of prayer. And, and Brandon Vaught says prayer and fasting really matter, you know, that we can yeah. actually do that on behalf of others. And so so that's something that we should be doing too. Listen, I get the idea that um, with where kids are concerned, a lot of times parents are the last people that you want to hear from. Um, I understand that. And I've, 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 I'm a living witness to that. I've, 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 I've experienced that with, mm -hmm. with Jen's children on occasion, and I've experienced it. I was that way myself. I was mm -hmm. rebellious against my parents. That being said, um, Jen got, you know, she'll enjoy the fact that I'm talking about her again. Mm -hmm. um, Jen got up this morning at 3 a.m. to take her daughter to the airport. Mm -hmm. was, uh, was studying out in uh, uh, River Falls. Uh -huh. So she had to get up at 3, um, drive out, pick her up in River Falls, drive her to the airport, which is about 40 minutes away, yep. and then come home. And then she's home by like uh, 6 in the morning. So and my wife adores her sleep. <laughs> so yep. this was, but she didn't think <laughs> twice about it. I said, well, that was a nice thing for you to do. And she says, that's exactly what my parents would have done. And yeah. they did on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's an example mm -hmm. of how influential. And I honestly sure. believe this, Father. It's it's. Are there influences from culture? Yes. Are there influences from friends? Yes. But the easiest kids I had to work with were the ones that were in a, a faithful and committed. Family. Oh yeah, I agree. I'm not. I wouldn't disagree with you. And I see that here with the seminarians. I mean, the, a lot of the seminarians that we have come from families where there really was a devout approach to the faith. And so, yes, I I think 
Now, they, I also know I can tell you many seminarians here who have siblings who are far from the faith. Sure. So I, I think it's, again, it's not all or nothing. We're just saying that, you know, if you have six kids, you know, it's not sure, you know, there's no guarantee that all six are going to be devout Catholics just because the family was. I mean, and that's kind of, I mean, if you think about family life, I mean, that's kind of true in, across the board, not just with respect to faith. There's always going to be, you know, usually a, sub, a sibling or two that just struggles more with life, right. you know. So anyway, yeah. but uh, no, I think you're right. It is. It can be a huge influence. And, and, and it's not just about the nuclear family or the immediate family. It's also like devout families tend to, whether it's homeschooled or not, they tend to gather and kind of associate. And so there's also right. the influence of other families. In fact, you know, this uh, last month I was helping to direct um, some 30-day silent retreats down at Mundelein Seminary. There were five of us directing uh, 19 people total, and I had four individuals. But one of the other directors, who's a layman actually, he um, he belongs to this Alleluia community out in Augusta, Georgia, and it's it's kind of like a little Catholic village. And they they've got I forget the exact numbers, but they've got a few hundred people, and 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 you know there are numerous families that live together, kind of in this neighborhood, and they. They, uh, you know, worship together and they have prayer together and the, and the kids are very well catechized, but also they see all these other kids and families that are on fire with the faith and love Jesus. And so, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really big uh, influence on them. And so, yeah, you know, we, we can't underestimate, uh, you're right, the parents' influence. And it's, it's harder nowadays for... Well, for you and for me and for other people in our position where we might want to reach out to um, kids who are struggling mm -hmm. um, just because of, uh, you know, all the, um, the, 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 the issues with sexual abuse and, and within the church and within the schools right, and all that. Right. And it makes it, it's harder. It's it harder is. to... You know, when when I ended up leaving youth ministry, it was like it was nigh impossible to do anything one on one with a kid at yeah. that point because invariably um, it, it it could go wrong. Like, right. Like, like I wasn't going to do anything wrong, right. but uh, but you know the kid could get triggered on something, and it was just it was just it was a minefield to walk through. Yeah. 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 Totally. And that's. So much harder for us now. It is. But it is. It is. And I think you know one of the things too we haven't really talked about is that um, I mean, I mean, adolescents by definition are kind of like you said rebellious, and they tend to look, uh, you know, look down on authority, whether that's parental or church or whoever. But I think today it's exacerbated by the fact that uh, like the level of distrust of institutions in general is right. just really high, right? And and there have been institutions that have really failed in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, Brandon Vaught talks about like the economy tanking in the early 2000s, or you think about just today, like how, how polarized our government and politics is. And a lot of people find that just disgusting. And so uh, we always, yeah, there's lots of jokes about, about government. Um, as you mentioned, the sexual abuse crisis in our church has soured people very much on the institution. Um, so I think there's a lot of distrust of institutions. So, so probably the way to engage young people to keep them in the church or to engage young people or adults who have left the church is not to stress so much the institution itself, but, but to talk about 
you know, a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus, but also to talk about, you know, the beauty of Catholicism. I mean, just, I mean, I find it very convincing when I think about this 2000 year history of the church and all of the, all of the saints, you know, highlighting the, the beauty of the saints and their, and their charity and, and their selfless lives. When you think about all the artistic achievements in the church, I mean, beauty and art is a, is a great way to kind of like get into people's hearts and minds. Um, so it isn't, you don't have to like just talk about the hard issues um, and you need to address those too. I mean, today, especially whether it's abortion, contraception, homosexuality, transgender issues, whatever, like, yeah, we need to be able to talk intelligently about them yeah. and help people realize that just because we don't agree with everyone's choices, that doesn't mean we hate them or that we're, you know, not at all. But I think we also underestimate that like we can appeal to the categories of of beauty, of, of goodness and charity, of truth. You know, what's really true? Ultimately, you and I, Jim, we're Catholics because we find that it's the best version of the truth. You know, it's not- Well, and it's, it's, it's empowerment, right? What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, what do you mean by that? Talk about that. It's, it's like if you take ownership in your faith, uh -huh. that's an empowering act. Mm -hmm. Like this, is, this isn't just the Catholic church. This right. is my church. This is my right, faith. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's that's the big thing that I've always tried to pitch when when I sure. was a youth minister is like I don't I want you to know you know the catechesis I want you to know what the sacraments mean but I want you to take ownership yeah there's got to be buy-in personal buy-in yeah, yeah this is my church I got skin in the game mm -hmm. and 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 I can't and when you struggle then with certain things. That makes it harder to walk away if right. you feel like you've got skin in the game. Well, and, and, and again, using the analogy of family, like we, you know, we don't just totally abandon our family because there's struggle. I mean, I still, I have these blood ties. This is my family and I may not like certain parts of it, or I may have right now some real, um, I'm alienated from this person or that person, but I, it isn't like I disown my family. I just have to work, you know, with it. And so I think, to see the church as God's family, and it's a family to which I belong, that I'm a brother and sister to yes. these people, you know? And uh, and that, that that therefore, I, like you said, I have a stake in it. I have skin in the game, and I'm going to be more willing to kind of look for answers and be part of the, part of the um, solution in the church rather than just say, screw it, I'm going to walk away from it. Um, you know, I do think, too, and, and I, I don't have any hard data on this, but my own experience is, well, well, obviously there are people that leave the church because they find this doctrine or that teaching not to be true, and and I respect that. You know that in their conscience they can't like um, assent to some truth. I also believe that some people use that as kind of an easy out. It's like, you know, oh, the church just hates gays, and therefore I'm, you know, I'm going to leave. And then, and then, you know, there is a, I think there is a responsibility for every Catholic to really, you know, discover what it is the church actually teaches and then, you know, and then engage that. And, and I think some people, they just, you know, they just, they're, they're tired of it or they don't want to have to really deal with the church's, you know, going to a church on Sunday and all that stuff. And so they'll just kind of invoke some something that becomes more of an excuse, you know? So anyway, we, I think that there's some of that reality too, but. 
Well, and that diminishes greatly if they've got uh, if they feel like they've got skin in the game. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, if you if if if, and I know a lot of Catholics that take um, you know full ownership of their faith and and will make the statement of um, I need the church, but the church also needs me, right? And and that's that's a that's a critical relationship, but right, uh, right. it's uh, it's uh, I mean. You know, it's uh, it's it's a struggle, and yeah. and the the crazy thing that I found when I was helping the Protestant Church set up their youth program mm-hmm. was that there was so many recovering Catholics in there, in that yeah. church. Yeah, and but they knew more about the Catholic faith than most of the parents that I had dealt with mm. in the last church that I had worked with. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Just so that they could rebut against. Catholic doctrine and Catholic mm-hmm. doctrine, mm-hmm. but they, they were very well educated. Uh-huh. They, they, yeah. they could quote uh, they could quote uh, Catholic Thomas uh, doctrine. <laughs> yeah, they could they could quote Summa Theologica. They could do all this stuff, and then they would use that to reinforce their ownership of their faith in a Protestant right. system. Right. So, yeah, um, it just it just needs to. I mean, it, the more I think that the more people who are taking ownership in their faith and then are loving as many people as they can, that that's just going to rub off and it's just going to move things forward. And we talked about, um, we're living in an an apostolic age and you know, unless we can go around performing miracles, you, you know, you're bilocating and that's helpful. I'm sure that's (laughs) impressing a lot of people. Um, but uh, up until that point, I think that uh, it, it all comes down to love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm aware that we've kind of gone uh, over 50 minutes here. Maybe what we can do is wrap up with just a few more of these kind of practical things that people can do. So, we, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of um, kind of people who write about this say is, is first of all, it's important just to um, identify why you know our loved ones have left. So just like be willing to ask them uh, in a very non-defensive way, but just yeah, like show some real interest in why they no longer practice, and then just listen and keep listening. Um, you know, I think Brandon Vaught uses the term of going on kind of a reconnaissance mission. You know, like just finding out, like okay, it's it's not one size fits all. So for you, John, or for you, Mary, tell me more about why this church or why this faith doesn't seem to be so relevant to you. And, 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 and so just to try to, you know, engage on that level. And, and then once maybe they've talked, you know, then to try to, you know, begin a conversation, um, you know, and, and talk maybe about your own personal experience. And, and that's, that's important for each one of us to, to own again. Like, well, why, why do I go to mass? Why do I practice my faith? What, what, what do I uh, find meaningful about that and be, be willing to share that with our loved ones. And again, all this in a very kind of charitable, non-defensive way. Um, and I then would if put that, I would yeah. put that in the, in the long game. I, I think that that's exactly right, but it's not a conversation. Yeah. No, no, um, no. It's, when I, when it's, I was working, serious. when I was working with youth, I found that they would come and they would talk to me about stuff that was going on in their lives and stuff that they were doing. Yeah, that clearly wasn't Catholic. Yeah, and um, and I would just listen and tell them that they were invited to the next thing and mm-hmm. and then move on. And other youth ministers would be like, "Why didn't you call them out on that?" 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, because they didn't ask me to. Mm-hmm. And and years later, for some of them, some of them would be months later, some of them would be years later, they would come back to me and tell me um, some terrible things that have happened in their life that caused them to mm-hmm. do this destructive behavior. And it was just, it was over the course of time that we were able to talk it through and then be able to offer opinions and then be able to say, okay, because if, if, if you, I think that if you just sit down, if you ask that question and you just listen and you tell them that you love them and then come back to it a yeah. couple months later, yeah. I think that serves a lot more good sure. than trying to fit this all in in one conversation. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I'm glad you clarified that. No, this is something we're talking about months and, and years and, and knowing you know, just having to feel out like what's the right moment and how how uh, yeah how how much do I push and and you know you have to be very careful because you it's very easy to alienate people further and we don't want to do that obviously so right. um, you know I think other other things that can be helpful would be in addition to talking about our own personal experience and why we are Catholic is also you know maybe occasionally the right resource. So it could be a pamphlet, it could be a word on fire video, it, you know, especially if there's a specific topic or a specific teaching that comes up in the conversation to say, okay, you know, that, that's fair. Um, would you be willing to like read, read an article about that or, or watch this video that I think has a good explanation of, of where the church is coming from on that? And so, uh, you know, kind of like proposing, you know, or <laughs> Or well, I'm waiting for you to complete the sentence. Or hey, how about if you listen to these two oh. ding dongs? Oh, us! We're talking every week. Oh well, of course, yes. Like they, course. they seem to have a pretty decent rapport. You right. can't pick up each other. There you go. There you go. No, no, I guess. I <laughs> but that's the whole reason that we started that's, this podcast. Well, that's right. We're, yeah, the people that that's right. You know that uh, are are feeling on the outside and trying yeah. to help them. Uh, get yep. back on the inside. Yep, yep, totally. No, that's good. You know, I think sometimes too, what I found helpful is like, um, rather than going straight to like Catholic doctrine, sometimes like a particular movie or a book or something that is sort of, um, it gets at the issues of God and, and faith, and but it does so kind of indirectly and a little more gently, you know, that can be, I think, really effective too, you know, that you can use other works of literature or a movie that, you know, isn't Catholic per se, but, you know, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of something like, you know, Babette's Feast is a great film about this, you know, French woman who prepares this awesome meal for a group of people in Denmark. And, and it's like, it's not explicitly Catholic, but it's, you can see within it uh, all kinds of Eucharistic themes. And so, so sometimes kind of a softer approach, uh, more indirect approach can be less threatening to people. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, just, there's lots of good resources out there, including our podcast, of course, that people can appeal to. <laughs> um, one of the things that's really cool today too, and actually, as I think about our seminarians here, a lot of them went to like university of Wisconsin, Madison, which is a very liberal and very, uh, you know, Catholic bashing place. But uh, some of these state schools have awesome Newman centers, yeah. St. Paul outreach. Like, yep. so, so for younger people, especially in college, which often is the time when they begin drifting or, or, or the drift gets accelerated, um, to encourage them to kind of connect with this local Catholic community on their campus. Because, 
because again, they're mostly college students, they're, they're their peers, right. and, and the staff there is we're used to working with that age group. So it's going right. to be different than like the typical parish. So, right. that's, you know, anyway, so, so there's lots of, yeah, I just, I mean, that's just scratching the surface, but there are some specific things we can, we can do. You know, we don't have to be just wringing our hands and saying, oh, there's no hope, you know. Well, and a lot of us are right now in the midst of a Novena to St. Monica. And, right. you know, so the, the timing of this podcast is yep. um, good because, uh, yep. you know, I'm, we're on day three or day four. Yeah. All right. Cool. <sighs> so. Well, I think we've hit the one hour mark, so we should probably. Uh, yeah. We wrap probably should. Yeah. Plus. <laughs> what we do. Um, all right. So, um, uh, we'll put a link, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put a link to, uh, um, Bishop Barron's, uh, podcasts. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. And, Word on know, fire page. Yeah. Right. Well, listen to him more than you listen to us. That's fine. <laughs> um, and then, uh, that'll be our stuff that we like, and then we can yep. pray. I would, um, just please, we, we need to, um, we got to pray for the people in Afghanistan. We yes, just, we have to hold yes. them. It's, it's the, the reports that I don't think the news is covering it as horrifying mm. as it actually is in Afghanistan mm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been hearing reports of, um, you see babies being handed over to soldiers, but there are also reports of women throwing their babies over razor wire. Oh, yes, yeah. And wow. some of them not making it. Oh my! Yeah. And and um, the, the stories of um, it's the Taliban are taking um, child brides, just taking them out of the yeah. home, raping them, and then saying, "Well, you got to marry me now because." Yeah. And it's yeah, just, it's uh, horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's and, horrifying. And I think I, I do believe the Taliban is they're they're doing their best to sort of present themselves as more moderate, yeah. but I think once they're in. Once they've taken control of everything, it's it's going to be ugly, even uglier. It's, um, it's yeah, it's 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 already there. It's yeah, we need to pray for there. Haiti too. Poor Haiti, you know, between uh, natural disasters and uh, corrupt government and everything, and just the poverty, uh, they're really right. suffering a lot too. So yeah, well, let's we got go a lot ahead. to pray for this week, we, Father. We do, we do. Well, let's let's do it now. Get In the name of the it. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we do uh, praise you and thank you for this time that we've had. We, we pray for your church. Uh, we pray for an outpouring, a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon our church. And we ask that those who have left the church might find their way back uh, to the fullness of truth. And we also today pray for the people of, of Afghanistan and Haiti, uh, anywhere in the world where there's, where there's real suffering. We just ask that you would... Uh, Give them hope and give them strength and, and unite them, Jesus, to your own suffering so that they can feel your presence with them. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of us and remain with us forever. Amen. Amen. Very good. Well, good being with you again, Jim. Yeah, it's nice to get us back into the, the whole thing. Yep, very good. It's, it's interesting that we're doing this all in Podbean Live now. So right, right, yeah, it's working out well. All right, God bless everybody. Take care.